So I started watching Killing Eve, and it's a show based out of Britain, it seems, it looks like, with a couple of Americans in it. Um, not, you know, it's getting lots of awards, good stuff, I've heard great things, my friend Nancy recommended it, so I gotta watch the thing. Anyway, we're like two episodes in, and that moment happens, any kind of caper, or any kind of uh, tracking the killer, or any kind of solving the murder, or solving the you know mystery kind of TV show, there's my favorite, favorite, favorite moment. And I'm a total nerd for it, so I, you know, they're <laughs> shocked, right? And it's that moment in which they say, I think we need to find the killer. And someone says, I think you're asking the wrong question. I think the question is, who hired the killer? And I love that moment. I love that moment when you realize you're too focused on one thing and you, you are asking yourself the wrong question. And I think that is so true of everything we do today. So that's what we're going to talk about when we get back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, James Ellis here. So before we jump into that, uh, as you may remember from last week, if you are interested in going to the Talent Brand Summit in end of March in Austin, Texas at a resort, so it's spring camp for employer brand nerds like me, um, if you're a practitioner, if this is something you are you know you do whether it's part of your job or completely your job if it's something you want to bring your boss to to teach them more about how employer brand gets done this is the place to go this is the place where it is 24 7 hands-on learning having good conversations no sitting back and letting somebody blah 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 at you it is a lot of pushing the boundaries testing the limits trying new things you know kicking rocks together and making sparks right it's a great event anyway I'm on the board of the event management team, Talent Brand Alliance. If you didn't know that, I don't know what you're paying attention to. But anyway, because of that, I'm going to bring the savings on to you. If you uh, ping me, whether that's Twitter, whether that's email, whether that's website, whatever, you, there's like a million ways to find me. Most of you are linked, LinkedIn, LinkedIn connected with me, so that's always useful. Just ping me, and I will send you the uh, event code, and you can get $200 off your entry fee. And if you do so, when I see you there, I will give you a Talent Cast sticker, a limited edition series, because I only made 50, uh, of stickers. So this is not something I have a lot of, so there you go. And I will donate $20 to a charity. Right now, like I said, I think uh, I'm focused on a going to pay for kids' lunch, you know, so they don't go into debt, you know, at school. I think that's that's cruel. Um already have the first taker last week. So thanks for, for listening in. Thanks for jumping in. And uh, yeah, this offer's open for a couple more weeks. So if you're interested in learning more about employer brand and this podcast just is not enough for you, that's where you want to be, Talent Brand Summit. You can Google it, but then find me so I can get you the code so you can get 200 bucks off and you know force me to donate money to charity because you know that's cool. Anywho, like I said, the wrong question. And what do I mean by the wrong question? Well, the wrong question is usually, and I hear this a lot, I mean a lot, is this sense that well, we want to be seen as an employer of choice. How do we become an employer of choice? How do we become seen as a desirable employer? How do we become uh, a company that everybody wants to work for? That is the wrong question. That is absolutely the wrong question. Now, 
I could go into all the bells and whistles of how that's wrong but, and, and simply say the answer is to say that you're, it's not about how to get everybody to think that you're employer of choice, but how to get the right people to think of you as the employer of choice. And I've talked a bit about that before, but anyway, I want to change the question a little bit even further. Okay, I want to shape it from instead of saying how do I get people to think I'm the employer of choice, but to ask yourselves. And this is a serious question. I think you really need to answer this and not just kind of slough this off, you know, in, in like a good worksheet kind of model. If you just skip the answer, you don't really get to anything new and anything interesting. You really have to answer this question. This an the question is, what's the story you want a candidate to tell themselves as they apply, as to why they apply? What are they going, what's going on in their head? And I think if you can figure out how to answer that question, if you can figure out how to get people to think, I want people to apply because they think this, 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 and this. Because this is how they find a culture that suits them. Because this is how they find a place where they can grow. Because this is a, how this, they, can, they finally found a job in a place where they're supported, where they're allowed to do the things they've always wanted to do. There's a story, right? And that's a story that applicants and candidates tell themselves as they go through that process. And I'm a big believer in storytelling. I've talked about it uh, now and then on this podcast, and I've certainly talked about it in person, and I've certainly used it in my work. And that is to say, it's not a, things. Stories are so magical. Stories are so weird. They're like they're, they really are magic. Not like kind of in a sprinkle fairy dust and glitter while wearing you know glue on wings kind of magical like my daughter would do. But I mean like literally can bend the rules and break the rules of what you think is possible. You know, we talk about, you know, when people talk about the internet and the people talk about how candidates work and what they can, how much information they can remember and, and, and how simple they are and effectively you've dumbed down your entire process, right? Here, here is a company. Here's what we do. Here's why you should apply. And you keep it super dumb simple, right? You keep it super obvious. And I'm a pig, you know, I'm, I'm probably just as much of a, a, a man, guilty as this as anybody. I've always said, I want people to understand clearly what I'm trying to say, like I'm taking a big wiffle bat and smacking them in the face with the answer, right? And you want to write it in the head and you say, this was, the, the answer is seven, or the answer is because you get to grow, or the answer is because we're the best damn company that ever was, and this is the place where great talent goes because they know talent, right? You know, you just want it to be clear as day. The thing is, is that stories bend all those rules. All the things about people don't read, they scan, all those rules about people don't remember things. All those rules about people are just looking to waste time. Sure, until they find a good story. We still sell novels, right? I'm about to take my four-year-old child to her first movie. It's the new Mary Poppins movie. It's two hours and 10 minutes long. That's like three times normal her standard attention span. I'm terrified and I can't get drunk ahead of time, which is really the only way to get through this. So I gotta figure this out, but people, will latch on to stories. Godfather's like three, hour, <clears throat> three hours long. I only, at this point, I've given up on movies because they're too short, because they're so focused on getting you to the next point and getting you to the next point so you can get to the chase scene or get to the drama scene so you can close it all up and bam, you're done. All I watch is big arc TV, right? Give me 13 episodes to get from start to finish, 13 hours of diving through a thing best storytelling in America and the world, as far as I can tell, the Great British Baking Show. If you haven't watched this, do it. <laughs> it is an absolute epic over the course of 10, insanely slow, 
hours of insanely engrossing television. I've, I've, I've never jumped in my seat when the cat jumps out and scares the crap out of the protagonist in a, in a horror show or whatever. I've never jumped out of my seat when the big twist is revealed he was dead all along. But man, when one of those bakers just about barely tips their tray and this cake starts sliding off, my, I mean, it is physical. I'm, God, I'm gripping arms and chairs. and I, ah, That is freaking storytelling. Now, did they think they're storytelling? No, they think they're baking a cake. They're making a Swiss roll. They're making a pavlova. What the hell's a pavlova? It's a meringue thing. I don't know. All the, and by the way, so much fun Googling British terms for things. I'm like, oh, yeah, you mean sugar. Got it. And you have 17,000 sugars. What the hell, Britain? And I have a number of British uh, listeners here, so we can talk about this later. To you, you're three series ahead, I'm sure. Anywho, storytelling is what keeps me in my seat. Storytelling is the thing that makes me say, let's do another episode. Let's keep going. How many till the end? How many can we keep going? And you just go and go and go. It's not about get me to the point. You, I read novels. I'm not bragging. <laughs> I read comic books too. But I can read long stories because they have a story, because they're driving me to something, because I'm learning something through it. Mad Men is the freaking long, long, long story over the course of seven, eight seasons it's a long story, and a million little stories in the middle of it. They're engaging and ex- excellent and keep me c- coming back. They're amazing stories. Stories are what we tell ourselves as we make choices. Stories this, this is the reason you buy an expensive watch or don't buy an expensive watch. I'm the kind of person who buys very nice things for my wrist so I can show off to other people. Therefore, drop in four figures, and I'm being gentle, on a watch, on a thing I'm going to wear on my wrist that might actually bump into a wall yikes but i'm a guy who says yeah i'm too frugal for that that's the story i tell myself that's why i wear a timex it's 35 bucks i can smash it against a brick if it breaks i don't care it was 35 bucks i can probably get it cheaper on amazon next time there's a sale that's the story i tell myself i'm the kind of person who and that's stealing a little bit from seth Godin. we you know culture is a function of people like us do things like this because it's a story you tell ourselves. The people who dress up as furries and hang out together, they, they don't do it because they, their brain's broken. They simply have decided that's a culture they like, and they say people like us do things like this. They put on these furry outfits, and they hang out, and I will go no further there. The people who ride motorcycles down the middle of the street nice and slow, really, really loud to freak people out, people like us do things like that. That's a culture. Your company is a culture. People at our company stay late to finish, finish the project. People at our company go home at 5.30 no matter what. People at our company know that travel is just part of the game, and we're happy. In fact, we're proud of how much, how much time we put in on a plane. People at our company focus on trying to connect with our clients and getting the most value remotely. People at our company, people like us, do things like that. So if that's true, if all that stuff is true, and that we're telling ourselves a story, we have to tack that back into how candidates think. We have to feed that back into this idea that candidates are telling a story. In the same way that you tell a story about why you wear that watch or, or, or why you dress up as a furry, and if you do, whatever, do what you do. You do you, baby. You do you. Um, people are telling themselves a story when they reply. When they, tell, when they apply to Google or an Amazon, they're telling themselves things like, I don't know if this is, this, is, this is one of the companies I've always wanted to work at. Maybe I'm not good enough, but maybe I am, and maybe this is a test of myself to see if I'm really as good as I think I am. Or, I live in Seattle. 
they hire everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll apply. <laughs> They're different stories. And you think those are, if you don't think those are very different kinds of candidates, you're insane. The people who would tell themselves those two different stories are two radically different candidates. They are two radically different talents. They're two radically two different dispositions. One of them may fit a lot better in your company than the other. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. So you have to say, what is the story they're going to tell themselves? And if you can answer the question of what story are they telling themselves, and frankly, most of you can't, and I think we can talk a little bit about how to, to figure out what that story is, and that is through surveys, and it is through looking at your, at your content, and it is through looking at your job descriptions and looking at who is applying and who is not. If you have uh, any kind of assessment tools, who, what are the kinds of people who are applying? What are the personalities who are applying? Ever wonder if it turns out that only extroverts are applying? Maybe there's something you're saying that suggests that only extroverts would be happy here? Think that's an interesting point to notice? If you're doing a personality test or a personality assessment, do you go backwards and say, why are we attracting people like that? Or do you just assume that yours is a net that you've cast in the ocean, you catch lots of fish, and just, oh, hey, turns out there are a lot of extroverts. Turns out there are a lot of people who are very analytical. Turns out there are a lot of people who are very able to jump to conclusions and move and live in flexibility ambiguity. It's not random. You attract things. There are 18 to 20 million companies in North America alone. You think you're not attracting a type? You think the people who are applying for you aren't telling themselves a story as they apply? You're wrong. They are telling themselves a story. And they're attracted to you because of the things you put out there. Uh, many years ago, I went to a lot of therapy. Hi, how you doing? And after my second marriage fell apart, this is going to get personal for a second, but not too weepy or anything. After my second marriage fell apart and I realized, how did I find two women who are on paper exactly different. I mean, literally pulls apart, but under the skin, the same person. And I went, what am I doing that attracted two of the same people? There are literally billions of women in the world. I'm not saying I have the chance of meeting all of them, but I'm saying there are billions of women in the world. How in the world did I end up attracting two of the same type? And I go, oh, it must be me. And those of you who listen to self-help books or watch daytime TV might be going things like, ah, guess who the common denominator is? It's you, dumbass. And to which the right answer is, yes, yes, it is my dumbass who is the common denominator. And that's what therapy is all about, about helping you see patterns and helping you understand you keep doing the same things and you keep attracting the same things. And here's why. Because what you do is what you attract. And as I changed my patterns, I attracted a very different person right? The, the, there's a Zen saying, when the, student is when the master is ready, the student appears. No, it's the other way. When the student is ready, the master appears. When you are ready to put out that you're ready for something, people are show up to help you. It's not that they materialize. They were always there, but you weren't ready, so you didn't see them. You're putting out certain signals that to the, call it the cosmos, the universe, God, I don't care, but you are literally, make it chemical. You are literally saying, I'm ready to have a serious relationship. Bammo. People are ready to have serious relationships with you. 
and that gets that the little trait, and that's a little simplified. But you know what I'm saying. You get that if you say if you hang out at a bar, you know who you meet? Drinkers. If your habit is I'm going to hang out every Saturday and Friday and Saturday night and drink at a bar, you you know the people you're going to meet? Other people who hang out in bars. You can't lament that all you meet are people who hang out in the bars if all you're doing is hanging out in bars. If the signal you're sending out is I'm the kind of person who hangs out in a bar, do not be shocked when you attract people who like people who hang out in bars. You want to attract people who want to introduce you to the opera? Show up in a tux. See? It's different. Your career site, your career ecosystem, really more importantly, and that includes social and job postings and job descriptions and recruiter outreach and you know the gamut of all the communications, all the ripples you are sending out to the world. It's sending out signals and it's attracting a kind of person. What kind of person? I don't know. Figure out what kind of story they're telling themselves. That's the kind of person. The kind of person who says, if we go back to the bar metaphor, I like to have fun on the weekends. And by my definition of fun, it means getting drunk at a bar. Okay, those are the kinds of people you're attracting. Because that's what you're saying. That's what you're putting out there. That's what you're, you can't lament that you don't have that. that You're not getting those opera people if you're not doing the things to attract them, if you're not allowing them to tell the story above themselves, I'm the kind of person who likes to go to the opera because the kind of person who goes to the opera doesn't hang out with you. So you look at your assessments and you look at your surveys and you look at the kind of talent you're hiring and you you got to take a, a real deep dive into who are the people who are going, that sounds interesting enough to me. Now, unfortunately, most of it, it is that low kind of threshold. That sounds interesting enough that I'll hit a button. Most of our, our career ecosystems are geared towards get them to hit the button that says apply, to uh, paraphrase Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. It's just about hit that button. Push, 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 push. Hit that button. Hit that button. Give me your information. Push, 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 push. I'll figure you out later, which is wrong. You want to be building relationships. You want to make sure people understand what they're getting into before they press that button. You want to actually be steering people clear away. Hey, you're never going to be happy here. Go. And I know plenty of, uh, not plenty, frankly, it's a, serious minority of, of people who have made partnerships with other companies who are um, different to, enough to say, you're not going to be happy here, but you might be happy at this other company. Can I tell the recruiter you're looking? Which I think is fantastic. So you have to understand what is the kind of person applying and then extrapolate what is the kind of story they're telling themselves about themselves. Once you understand what is the story they are telling themselves, you then go deeper and ask the real question. What's the story I want them to be telling them about themselves? What is the story I want to encourage? What is the story I want to spark in their minds as they say, yeah, I'm going to buy this expensive watch. Yeah, I'm going to put a furry costume on and, and go out. Yeah, I'm going to hang out in an opera or a bar. Yeah, this is the kind of company I want to be at. If you can get to that level, of sparking the story question. You are at a far higher level of attracting the right people. You are going to be turning people away almost subconsciously, almost like magic. People are going to say, yeah, this isn't the kind of company I want to apply for. And they walk away. A couple years ago, I did some uh, uh, data analysis on a big, uh, gosh, it's been years ago. So this, I'm sure everything's different. So I guess I'm fine quote using the company. I haven't really used it before, but it's, it was T-Mobile. We pulled some data off T-Mobile. We did some deep dives. And what we did is we said we looked at uh, 10 entry-level jobs, 10 mid-level jobs, and 10 more senior-level jobs. Uh, and we did it, broke it down by, I think we did four tiers, actually. So entry-level, uh, two to five years experience, five to 10 years experience, and more than 10 years experience, right? So we broke it down in those levels. And we picked 10 jobs for each one of those tiers. 
and we looked at traffic. That's all we did. And it turns out people who, because I wanted, what I wanted to do is prove that people who look at content, right, stories and jobs, you know, not job postings, but stories and articles and social and, and videos and all that stuff, the people who looked at that content were more likely to apply. I wanted a very simple kind of connection. Content is magical, it will get people to apply. And of course, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> but what was interesting was that we found that the higher you went up the totem pole, the more people who applied had spent looking at content. And I said, well, yeah, if, you're, if you have 10 years experience at something, presumably you're pretty good at it. Presumably you could be picky at it. And you didn't just apply for the sake of applying. You didn't apply because the button was easy to find. You applied because you kind of said, yeah, I see, this seems like an interesting company enough that I would consider working for. And then you had applied. How would you learn that? Not through the job posting. Not, no, of course not. You would learn it through learning it through content. What I thought was, so, so that checked all the boxes. Okay, great. So content works. Yay, I'm a winner. Uh, except <laughs> when you looked at the entry-level model, you saw that people who saw content ran the hell away. I was like, what is going on here? And we re-ran the numbers like two or three times. We retested the numbers. And what we figured out was when you have no experience, and you're just hitting apply for the sake of applying, anything that slows you down, anything that gets in your way is a reason to walk away. There's plenty of other entry-level job buttons to hit, so why hit this one? Why spend time digging through this? And in fact, if you accidentally read more content, you kind of went, oh, the job's like that? No thanks. You'd walk away. So literally, because the, the intention was not to learn, but to apply and get included in that big kind of, well, maybe eventually if I apply to enough things, someone will eventually call me, you know, that big numbers model of applying, which entry-level people have to do. You all look the same to us. Hey, college graduates, you all look the same. Get a real internship. Um, that really helps. <laughs> Go get a crappy job. It helps. Give us something to say, oh, you're this, got it, and not just, oh, you're a human being who's a college graduate. Uh, I don't know. So content literally got in the way. But the incentives were wrong. The story they were telling themselves was, I can't figure out why I'm not getting a job. I'm going to hit a button until I hit a, hit a until someone calls me back. That was literally the story they were telling themselves. Whereas people who are high up in the chain says, oh, this seems like a kind of company who's cool or a kind of company who's doing something, a kind of company who's trying something. I want to be a part of that too. I'm the kind of person who likes to try. I'm the kind of person who likes to push. I'm the kind of person who likes to, who likes to, who likes to, and bam, there they go. And the magic happens when you can start to tell them what the story should be. We're the kind of company who spends all night building amazing stuff. And we hate going home because we're so obsessed with this thing. The person clicking the button goes, yeah, I'm the kind of person who, want, who is willing to give up time and energy and resources and, and work-life balance to solve this amazing problem. Yeah, I'm that kind of person. I'm so obsessed with that problem too. I want to do that. Boom, they hit the apply button. And the person who goes, yeah, no, the story I'm telling myself is that I like to see my family now and then. I like to go hiking or kayaking or do stand-up comedy on the side or whatever it is I do all day. Um, no, thank you. And that's great because that means the recruiters doesn't have to wade through people who weren't going to be happy anyway. What is the story you want them to be telling yourself? Don't You have to treat this with intentionality. The story just doesn't happen. It's not random. People don't go to Amazon and say, um, I'm applying because I like a big smile on a box. No, 
even then they're you know they're that's a story um but it's a bullshit story it's not possible they're telling themselves i'm gonna apply to amazon because 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 and they have different versions of that story but it's not random you don't apply at spacex because you start because you think it might be a cool place to earn a paycheck you apply at spacex because you you love space and you're willing to bend over backwards and do what it takes to get to freaking mars no one becomes a teacher because they thought it would be fun. Everybody knows that's a hard job that doesn't pay very well. Everybody. There's no secrets anymore, if there ever were. You, you join that job because you want to do that thing. That's the story you tell yourself. I want to help the, the, the nations, the world, the, cult, the, the, the community's kids grow to be better. That's the story you tell yourselves. The accountant can get a job anywhere. Why this company? Why this particular company? Because they've got numbers zero through nine? Congratulations, every company has those numbers. Maybe it's the chance to work at scale, to have lots of extra zeros at the end. Maybe it's the chance to work at a better kind of team or a better kind of culture or a better kind of work-life balance or because you're saving the earth or saving the whales or saving the, the gingerbread houses. I don't know. Because you're trying to get somebody elected, because you're trying to... Um, invent a car because you're trying to, there's all sorts of reasons. So what's the story you want people to tell themselves? And if you can answer that question, that is magic level employer brand. That is really thinking at the, at the, at the like genetic level, the quark level, the stuff beyond under the stuff, under the stuff, right? The magic level of how things get done. If you can get if you can get past all the stupid wrong questions and get down to what is the story I want people to tell themselves as they apply here, which is the right question, a terrifying question because it's a hard question. It's a complicated question. Therefore, it's willful ignorance that allows us to say, you know what, maybe I'm not going to do that. And maybe for a long time it was okay to say maybe I'm not going to do that because there's other ways of getting people to apply. But we're getting to the point where the ones who do the most therapy in this process, the ones who have their shit together, the ones who are put together and have good answers to tough questions are the ones who are going to succeed. The, the easy answers are taken care of. The easy answers are, are obvious and done. And hell, half of them are automated. It's the hard questions we need to face now. And this is probably one of the hardest ones I can think of. What is the story I want people to tell themselves as they apply? All right. Thanks so much for listening. We got one more episode before the year closes up. Um, we'll do lots of thanks then. So I got I got to write everybody down. <laughs> I'm going to forget somebody. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. I know I'm going to forget somebody. I just know it. And that's why I got to like take the week and write things down. I've got a massive whiteboard, so I got to start tracking that stuff. Um, as per usual, if you have ideas, questions, thoughts on the show, if there's a question you'd like me to answer, don't go to Quora. Come to me. Find a way to ping me, Twitter, LinkedIn, email, website. You know, there's lots of ways. And I would love to answer a question on the show. Um, it's been a while since I've done that, since uh, since some – I'm not even going to name names. Um, it's been a while. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Get Point me in the right direction. So uh, let me know what you want to learn and what you want to discuss and what you want to hear about or you want to hear a different – point of view on. That's really ultimately all I can offer. So thanks so much for listening. I will see you all next week probably, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. 
If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.